It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. We are living in dark times. That is unquestionable. But God's people are referred to as the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5. The prophet Isaiah said it this way, that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness will cover the people. But to God's chosen ones, he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Think of that, the glory of God, like the sun rising at the dawning of a day, has risen over God's people to illuminate them in a time of great crisis and darkness and satanic invasion in this world. God is the great equalizer, and when darkness increases among those who are children of darkness, light will increase among those who are children of light. Let me share an interesting story with you. It concerns a painting that you have probably seen. It was painted by Holman Hunt, and it's called The Light of the World. In this painting, Jesus is portrayed as a visitor arriving in a garden around midnight. In his left hand, he carries a lantern. In his right hand, he is knocking on a sturdy, thick-paneled door. When the painting was to be publicly unveiled, a number of art critics were in attendance, and as the curtain was drawn revealing the painting, one of them noticed what he considered to be a major flaw. He said, Mr. Hunt, you haven't finished your work. The artist, probably anticipating that reaction, very quickly said, it is finished. The critic said, but there is no handle on the door. And the answer came back quickly, apparently rehearsed well in advance. The artist said, that is the door of the human heart, and it can only be opened from the inside. What a beautiful and insightful thought was hidden in that picture, that the door of the human heart must be opened from the inside. God normally does not force himself on individuals, but he waits for you to willfully say yes to the invitation to salvation. But when you do, something marvelous happens. The Bible says, while you have the light, receive the light that you may become the children of light. Now think of that. When you receive the light of God into your heart, then whatever that light is becomes a part of your nature. Now that's John chapter 12, verse 36. Let me repeat it again. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. Because whatever you believe in, you are begotten of, and it becomes a part of your nature. If you believe in hate, you're begotten of hate, and you become a hateful person. 
If you believe in lust, you're begotten of lust and you become a lustful person. But if you believe in purity, you are begotten of purity and you become a pure-hearted person. So in like manner, if you believe in the light, light permeates your nature and you become the very thing you believe in. No wonder Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says that you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, this is your nature now. This is exactly what you were created for when the Lord Jesus Christ came into your heart. Now, let me go back to the very beginning. Do you remember the first chapter of Genesis that described the condition of the universe prior to the acts of creation? The Bible says the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. That was the first act of creation, the first audible command of God, speaking to the void, speaking to the emptiness, speaking to the darkness. Can you imagine what it was like for light to burst into existence throughout this infinite expanse? Suddenly, it's illuminated with this intense light that is far beyond any light we've ever seen because the sun and its light were not created until the fourth day. Isn't that exactly what God did in your life when he brought forth a new creation in you? He saw that your life was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of your soul. But in a similar way, God said, let there be light. And suddenly light saturated your inner being. And you understood things from a divine perspective. You have to have light in order to see. That's how the eyes function. What happens is this. The light reflects off of an object. And then the light from that reflection enters into your eye and produces an image on the backside of your eye that is actually upside down. And then your brain has to interpret it and set it right side up, which is very curious. In order to understand this world, you've got to have an inner interpreter, not just your brain, but the spirit of truth within your heart to set things right side up. But see, you have to have light to see the objects around you. And you have to have the light of God to see life as it really needs to be seen. Thank God for the day when he brought forth a new creation in you, a new creation man. All things passed away. All things became new because light lit up your heart and you began to see things as they really are. No wonder the Bible said concerning Jesus, in him was life and the life was the light of men because you and I were dead souls, dead in trespasses and sins. But then the life of God resurrected us back into fellowship with him. And that's when light entered in. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Thank God the light of God has changed everything for us. Now, I think it's interesting to see that for a long time, scientists were just challenged to interpret the nature of light correctly. 
because it acted two different ways. In some experiments, it acted like waves. In other experiments, it acted like particles. And there was much controversy over whether or not light was made up of waves or made up of particles. And finally, it was discovered that light is both. And that speaks something very profound to me. Because see, both the Word and the Spirit of God are represented as light. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shines backward and shines forward. It's a lamp to my feet. It illuminates me. I see myself for what I am, and I see areas I need to change, and I see areas of potential I need to pursue. It's a lamp to my feet. It shines back on me but it also shines forward into my future. It's a light unto my path. Both the written word and the living word are light, shining into the future and guiding me into what steps I should take in life. But also the Spirit of God is represented as light. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, it talks about our God being the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. I call that light beyond light, because it's a light so intense, radiating from the King of kings, and the Lord of Lords in the celestial world, so bright, so powerful, that I believe our flesh would melt if we actually walked into the fullness of his presence. We'll have to have glorified bodies to experience that transcendent light. But the light that is emanating from him is the light of the Spirit. It's the effulgence of the Holy Spirit manifesting and radiating from the Lord himself. In the New Jerusalem that is described in the book of Revelation, the scripture says the glory of God will lighten that city and the Lamb will be the light. So the radiance of light comes from the center of all creation and the center of the new creation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So both the Word and the Spirit are represented as light. And I liken the Holy Spirit to the waves that make up light, waves of his presence flowing into our lives. But the Word of God, made up of thousands of words, 31,173 verses, it's like every word is a particle of light that comes into our lives to illuminate us. So when you have the Word and the Spirit, you have the light of God in its fullest manner in your life. And you need both for light to act properly in your life. And for you to walk in the light, you need the Word and the Spirit because the Word alone leads to formalism and the Spirit alone leads to fanaticism. So we need the Word and the Spirit, and then we can walk through life enlightened concerning who we are, who God is, what our purpose is, and where we are going. Now, this is an interesting idea. The speed of light 
is 186,282 miles per second. Think of that. That's so fast, I can't hardly wrap my mind around it. 186,282 miles per second. In one second, light can travel around the world seven and a half times. If you walk through life under the influence of the written and the living Word of God, and if you walk through life full of the Spirit of God, then I believe you can move the speed of light. It's the fastest known speed in this world, in this natural universe, and the fastest way to move through life into purpose, into destiny, into fulfillment, into joy, peace, and love, into every positive thing is to move the speed of light. And that is accomplished by walking in the Word and walking in the Spirit. I also want to talk to you a little bit about light within light. I've talked about light beyond light because, see, there's light that you cannot see. There's ultraviolet light. There's infrared light. It's beyond the spectrum that we're aware of. And there's heavenly light, celestial light, that you could never see with your physical eyes. Well, there's also light within light that is hidden from view unless something happens in order to reveal it. What am I talking about? Well, Newton did some experiments on light where he allowed a beam of white light to strike a prism and it would bend the light and then scatter it on the wall in the form of six colors. It would spread out into what he called the spectrum. And the word spectrum comes from a Latin word meaning ghost into the colors red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and violet. And there's three primary colors out of which the others are created, and that's red, yellow, and blue. Now, that speaks to me. God hides himself in all kinds of symbols in creation. And the fact that there are three primary colors that make up white light remind me that there's one God but he is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Those colors make up something we call the rainbow, which is a result of light that bends. It's called refraction. When does it happen? Well, when you have a rain shower and there's droplets of water in the air, then the light shines through those droplets of water and slightly bends and then scatters that colorful thing we call a rainbow across the sky. Normally, light travels in a straight direction. But when there's a prism-like object it can shine through, then you see its hidden nature. What am I talking about? I'm talking about how God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And he's total holiness, total righteousness. But sometimes when the problems of life arise, when failure arises, when sorrow comes, when sadness happens, it's like those raindrops. It provides a spiritual kind of prism that light can shine through, and it reveals the hidden nature of God. When you falter and you're broken because of it, 
and you're bent down with care and sadness and sorrow, the light of God can shine through that and suddenly you see he's a merciful God. He's a forgiving God. He's a restoring God. He shines through the prism of the problem. And light bends because God bends to reach a fallen human being. But what about impossibilities and challenges in life that seem overwhelming? Once again, they provide a prism of a problem that light can shine through. And then you see other aspects of God's character, how he is pleased with faith and he fills your heart with courage and he gives you strength because you dare to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think it's interesting to see that in the heavenly world, there is a rainbow depicted in the book of Revelation in the throne room of the Almighty God. Now, on earth, rainbows are usually semicircles. But my father taught me a lesson. My father was an amazing man. He flew with the Hurricane Squadron. He was the first man to fly a prop plane into the eye of a hurricane. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I don't think I would want to do that, but he had the right stuff. When I was a little boy, he told me this. He said, Mike, when you get up high in the atmosphere and you look down at a rainbow, it's not a semicircle. It's a complete circle. And I didn't understand the profoundness of that right away. But years later, after I became a born-again Christian, I saw the symbolism. It was so powerful that rainbows represent the promise of God. You can read about it in the book of Genesis after the flood. The rainbow came and God spoke to Noah in covenant language and promised that there would never be a flood to destroy the earth again. So a rainbow symbolizes the promises of God. And from an earthly perspective, we only see the promise. We see a semicircle and we wonder if it will come to pass. But when John visited the throne room of God, he said there was a rainbow around the throne. It was a complete circle. Because from heaven's perspective, if God gives a promise, he intends to keep it. The promise and the fulfillment are one and the same. And when we really see the hidden nature of God, we see the dependability of his promises. That white light spreads out into bands of color, and we see light within light, the hidden nature of God, the God who shines his character through the adversities of life. And we learn that he's a God of loving kindness, a God of compassion, who feels the pain of those who are suffering. We find out he is a God of great mercy, who is willing to wash us clean from our sins. We find out he is a God of restoration, who restores our souls and gives us courage again. So as children of light, ponder these things. Let them speak to your heart. Enlighten your world. Share the light of truth with somebody who's in darkness today and make a difference in your world. That's why God causes light to shine in you so that light will shine out of you. You become not only the recipient, but the source. Because Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. But then he said in his Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. So 
In essence, he was saying, as long as I'm here, I'm going to occupy that role. But when I ascend into heaven, you occupy that role until I come back. That's our charge. Let's go out and enlighten our world. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.